Welcome to Compliance Beat, the podcast for compliance and ethics professionals. We provide practical insights and answer your questions about compliance and ethics. Together, we'll stay up to date on current trends so that your program stays effective. Brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Here's your host, Eric Moorhead. Welcome to another edition of Compliance Beat. I know it's been a couple of weeks, and also if you are a listener who goes to our website, you may have noticed our website was down for a few days. We had some technical difficulties, as they say. We are now back up. Uh, so uh, for those of you who uh, get this podcast through uh, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or some other method, you probably didn't notice a difference other than it's been a couple weeks, uh, but we're now back. And this week, I wanted to talk a little bit about what I call the three-legged stool of manager involvement and compliance. Um, one of the key pieces of modern best practices compliance programs over the last few years in particular is involving the middle. Tone from the middle is uh, the new buzzword uh, to join the, the august tone from the top that's been around for quite some time. And there is a recognition that no matter how well resourced your compliance program might be, uh, no matter how many headcount you have, uh, no matter how well respected and well integrated uh, compliance personnel might be within the organization, no matter how much independence you might have, uh, no matter how much budget you might have, uh, you can't be all places at all times. And uh, something that I repeat over and over again, and I don't know that I necessarily coined it, but but I don't know who did. If, uh, but but I uh, unabashedly say it over and over again, and that's this: culture is local. Culture, uh, ethical culture, is defined primarily by the leadership uh, that is known by your employees at that location or in that division or in that part of the operation. So it is vitally, vitally important that managers be involved in the process, that, that managers be part of the compliance program. We all have to be part of a compliance program and a successful compliance program. That's the overall message is that compliance is everybody's business. But, but managers have a special role in a successful compliance program, especially a modern program, a best practices program. And I think there are three definitive legs to a successful implementation of a compliance program that encompasses the man managers within your organization. There are three things, three categories that really must be implemented uh, to have uh, significant success. Uh, it's not to say you can't have success involving managers without these three uh, co concepts I'm going to talk about for the next few minutes, but I really feel like a uh, uh, a fully realized uh, implementation of a, a program that, that encompasses managers uh, has some aspects of all three of these. The first is training. The, the, that's where we start with everything. Training and making sure people understand uh, their role and the value of compliance. When you're talking about training managers, there, there are different things that, that need to be a component of that. Uh, very often, let's start at when they get trained. Very often um, in organizations over a certain size, there is some sort of manager training program for new managers, uh, man manager orientation, 
uh, new manager training, whatever you're going to call it. Um, more often than not, when I um, am working on a program assessment and I talk to uh, the people involved either in HR or elsewhere that are involved in the training program for managers. There's a lot of thought and, and, and real um, effort put into putting together these programs. And the focus is primarily on leadership. It's not really on nuts and bolts of compliance or anything else for that matter. It's really on leadership skills, managing people, uh, you know, there might be some parts to the, to to a broader uh, leadership program that talks about you know keeping an open door and having strong communication, but doesn't really focus on compliance. Uh, what you need in any kind of new manager orientation or standalone uh, compliance training for managers is a discussion specifically about the role of managers in compliance. So what's going to be in it? What's going to be what what should be in a training program for managers uh, that talks to them about their responsibilities for compliance and expectations around compliance? Well, first of all, um, it should talk about the uh, communication conduit, if you will, between managers and their reports. So that's going to be open door. Um, this, a discussion of an open door policy of encouraging people to come forward and ask questions and report concerns, and it's important that important that it be both, right? Not just uh, come forward if you've seen some misconduct, but come talk to me if you have questions about anything. If you're not sure about something or you want to uh, find out uh, uh, more information, I should be. Uh, you, you should feel comfortable. Uh, coming to me first, and and we need to have a discussion about it. So so establishing uh, uh, the open door uh, philosophy uh, at the local level and encouraging people to come forward should be probably job number one. You know, first one of the first items that you'd want uh, to have a, a significant discussion with uh, managers about in any kind of compliance training for managers. Uh, the natural follow-up to that is how to handle uh, employee reports, when to escalate, the criteria, uh, and every organization is going to have different criteria here, but establish a, cr a criteria or a method for, for managers to be able to discern when they need to escalate and where they're going to go. Uh, make sure that the managers know which resources they have uh, available and where they're supposed to go, who they're supposed to get in contact with, what uh, uh, the channels are. Uh, if they have questions or if they need to escalate a report that's been uh, provided to them. Uh, talk to them uh, about uh, uh, accountability uh, and, and how to discuss accountability um, with their support. So there should be some discussion and training about, you know, there's this concept broadly known as organizational justice, the idea being that everybody's going to be treated the same, uh, we all follow the same rules, the high performer is going to be held to the same standards as rest of uh, as the rest of us. Nobody can uh, do something that violates our policy or n nobody is uh, immune uh, to, to uh, 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 finding themselves in disciplinary trouble if they violate our code or our policy and engage in misconduct. Uh, so, so establishing that the rules apply to everybody and there's an expectation that the rules apply to everybody, that's a message that really needs to come from that local manager. Uh, talking to the managers about retaliation, not just that they making sure they understand that they are not to engage in retaliation and not just 
to make sure that they include a non-retaliation or anti-retaliation message in their regular communications to their employees, which is important, but also give them, you know, go through some scenarios in a training uh, session with managers so that they understand what retaliation looks like. Uh, oftentimes when we think about retaliation, we think about something that's very overt, very obvious. But retaliation can take a lot of subtle forms. It can be excluding people from uh, work activities and and uh, you know other other thing other activities that are that are retaliatory, but not so blatant and obvious. And some managers may have some experience with that and may be cognizant of it, but some may not. And so educating them on how to spot retaliation and how to deal with it is really really important. Some discussion, some training uh, in, in manager training should probably also touch on uh, ethical decision making. You know, uh, more and more often, for example, in codes of conduct, you see these decision trees uh, where um, the code often talks about the fact that, you know, code of conduct can't cover everything. And when you're confronted with a situation, you need to ask yourself these three or five or Five, six questions, however many questions uh, are, are in the decision tree within your organization. But it's a it's a rubric by which you can uh, discuss uh, ethical decision making, de ethical decision making. And this includes some pretty obvious things like follow the rules and the law. Uh, you know, does the, the the activity or the or the the decision that you're planning on taking, does that violate our values? Um, would you want it to be on the front page of the newspaper? Those are some some common questions. But whatever your process internally or whatever your expectation is for ethical decision making, uh, that should be part of any manager training so that they get a sense of what your expectations are for for how they should behave and how they should come to their reasoning and their decision making, but also allows them to cascade that on to their reports so that everybody is operating the same way. Uh, as I said, more and more organizations have this in their code of conduct or discuss it in broad communications. But if you can train it to the managers and the managers can train it to the uh, to their rank and file, then you're going to get much better saturation and people are going to be uh, presumably uh, operating and, and asking themselves those important questions uh, whenever they find themselves in a quandary as to what to do. And, and that's that's an important piece of uh, compliance training. Uh, you know, how do we approach our everyday job? Because we don't always have a policy. Uh, we don't have, always have a procedure. Uh, it's something new and we don't really know how to navigate it. Uh, we can run it up the flagpole. We can ask questions and report any concerns. But sometimes you have to make a decision and, and there needs to be uh, a, a format, a, a process, a uh, consistent process with which everybody goes through that ethical decision making process. And uh, that should be uh, delivered to managers and managers should be then delivering it on to their reports. Another big component and I believe a really important component uh, for manager training is the what I would call the business case for compliance. And I've talked about that before on this podcast and elsewhere. Um, the business case for compliance is uh, really important. If you want to get operational management on board, uh, and uh, have them look at compliance as integral to the performance of the organization, to their performance, uh, to their goals, then you have to, uh, you have to sell them. You have to tell them and, 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 and make, make the case for it. 
so this would be things like ta talking about uh, the risks to the organization, to the reputation of the organization, to the bottom line of the organization uh, whenever there's a compliance failure. It would be also pointing out things like retention and recruitment uh, uh, difficulties for organizations that have a perceived poor culture. Um, I've talked about before in this podcast how there's some data out there, including an MBA um, a stu a, a, a MBA study a few years ago by, I want to say the University of Santa Cruz. I'll have the data in the show notes here. I'll go dig it up. Uh, but, but there was a, a survey of uh, MBA students a few years back and asked them what kind of pay differential they would take to work for an organization that had a perceived strong ethical culture versus one that had a weak culture. And it was a pretty significant percentage uh, of pay uh, that they would where they were willing to forego uh, if they uh, were working for an organization with a per perceived strong culture. So having a, a strong reputation for ethics and compliance and uh, having a strong perceived ethical culture is a recruitment and retention issue. And, and um, you know, some other uh, data out there suggests that this is particularly true uh, when you're talking about hiring millennials and, uh, uh, and younger workers in particular, that, that this is a primary um, uh, concern of theirs when they're determining where they want to work. So um, that's just one example, but there, there are other um, data points out there uh, that, that uh, point to the fact that having a strong culture uh, has a correlation, for example, to uh, uh, improve stock performance. The Ethisphere Institute, if you go to the Ethisphere Institute's website, over, over time, uh, I don't know if they've released it for the most recent year for their world's most ethical um, a cadre of, uh, of organizations, but uh, they do track the stock performance of companies that have been designated world's most ethical, so have a superior uh, compliance and ethics program through and have met the criteria for Ethisphere. Uh, that uh, those organizations consistently outperform the S&P 500. So there, there are tangible bottom line business effects, and it makes logical sense uh, once you start discussing it. But that's, it's a different way to approach uh, the importance of compliance with managers. And uh, there are different uh, uh, inputs that you can put into this uh, sort of argument. But, but, but the bottom line is, this is a bottom line issue. Uh, this is a business issue. Uh, you know, the, mo the, the, really obvious, uh, uh, the really obvious topic to discuss with managers about this is if we have an upset or uh, uh, an incident or, or some misconduct or an investigation, well, that takes time and resources away from pursuing business. Uh, that is lost opportunity cost. Uh, that makes it really, really hard uh, for you to be as competitive as you could be uh, if you did not have those issues to deal with in the first place. And that's not uh, discussing fines, attorneys' fees, and associated costs for investigations and remediation and uh, mitigation. Uh, those also, uh, you know, add, uh, you know, take away from the uh, business performance of an organization. That's the traditional piece, and I think that's an important piece to talk about too. But it's also important to talk about the, the you know, the perception, the reputation uh, of the organization, and how that affects. Uh, who wants to be your partner, who wants to be your customer, and who wants to work for you. Uh, those are bottom line issues, and those should be discussed in, in training uh, the managers as well.
So that's the first leg of the stool. And, and there's much more you can include, obviously, in manager training uh, around compliance. But, but those are some basic pieces I think you really need to include. The second thing that's really important to have a, a successful uh, integration uh, of managers into your compliance program and, and make sure that they are uh, 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 doing all they can do uh, for the performance of, of the compliance program is providing them resources. Uh, primarily, these would be communication resources. I think the expectation is, is that the managers are going to be this conduit, right? Uh, they're going to have an open door environment. They're going to solicit and uh, be a, an appropriate source for reporting and communication, but also for communication. Uh, a lot of what managers are going to do uh, is maybe going to straddle the line a little bit between training and communication, but primarily be communication. Uh, and you probably heard the terms in, uh, term in the past, a manager toolkit or a uh, manager guide or something like that. These things can be rather simple. I think the important thing when you're talking about resources for managers on compliance is consistency and uh, applicability. So consistency means you don't just do it once you, you've got to do it on a regular basis and 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 you because otherwise they're not going to get into the swing of things they're not going to get into a pattern of regularly communicating compliance issues and compliance topics to their reports if it's not something that has a cadence to it um, think of it you know i often uh, when we're talking about integrating compliance operationally i often talk about health safety and environment hse or or safety in general uh, in many organizations, the safety uh, uh, the safety team is well or, uh, integrated already. Uh, many organizations, particularly in manufacturing and extractive industries, have a safety minute, and they have a safety minute in every meeting, and that's every meeting, not not just meetings out in the field, uh, you know, where people are, are uh, engaged in, in, in physical operations, but, but in, in the office, in the home office. If you've ever, if you are part of a, a large multinational oil company, for example, or you've been to any of their meetings, you know that uh, a lot of extractive companies, as well as manufacturers and others, that, that where safety is a key concern, uh, every meeting starts with the safety, with what they call the safety minute or safety, safety note or whatever you wanna call it. Top of the meeting, they have a, a short discussion about a safety issue. Um, you know, why is that so successful? It's because those managers have been trained. It's because those managers have been provided resources by, by the safety department or, or HSE. Same goes for compliance. You educate the managers, you tell them it's important that they be involved in the process, that they keep an open door. Uh, they're going to agree with that. They're going to want to do their best. But if there's no follow-up after that, there's no material provided to them on a regular basis, no resources provided to them where they can engage in those conversations, then it just won't happen. And you can't just be a one-off. You can't just send uh, you know, a note about uh, you know, code of conduct and other resources once a year. Uh, you may or may not get discussed, and it, and it may not may or may not be all that effective. Um, I know this is hard, and, and with many organizations, perhaps the cadence can only be on a quarterly basis when you start. But I think that's a good place to start. Uh, you know, figure four topics that you can uh, create some basic materials, some basic talking points around, and get those out there in the field 
uh, to managers uh, once a quarter. Uh, and then supplement that and support that with uh, other streams of communication directly from the compliance department or from the corporate environment that uh, uh, amplify the, the message or topic that you want the managers to, dis to discuss in their individual meetings. Um, these manager toolkits or manager guides or, or manager resources can be sophisticated or not that sophisticated. I think uh, particularly if you haven't done this in the past and you're just starting a new process, the best way to do that is, is to keep it relatively simple and just uh, try your best uh, to, to give them the bullet points, if you will, on a particular topic. Let's just take a topic like harassment. Uh, I, I think a successful uh, uh, resource to provide a manager, particularly if you're just starting this process, is to send them uh, you know, the key points. So refer back to the policy and the expectations of the organization around the topic. You know, hit the elements of the topic. Uh, you know, perhaps provide some uh, common issues that you know are going to come up. And I think another thing that's been, uh, that can be particularly successful is to give them some scenarios that they can run through uh, with their direct uh, reports uh, in their um, communication, their one-on-ones or their, their group meetings with, these, with, their, uh, with their people. Uh, so if there's two or three uh, scenarios that are common, that are issues that you know have come up, They've come up in the hotline or helpline. They've come up in uh, reporting through through the channels in your organization. Uh, well, scrub those uh, uh, those uh, incidents and provide those details in a scenario, and send it out to the managers so that they can run through those things with their uh, with their reports. And of course, you're going to provide uh, the scenario. Uh, so that they can set it up and, and explain the situation to their people. And you're also going to provide them uh, the appropriate um, uh, response for, for that scenario and what should happen in that situation and what the, what the resources uh, available to anybody who finds themselves in that situation might be. I think this can be very effective. And that's very basic. And you can get more sophisticated. You can provide them videos to Cascade. You can provide them PowerPoint slides to insert into their presentations. Uh, you you can um, uh, provide a uh, a separate uh, intranet site for managers to go to to, to uh, access resources and information on all kinds of topics. You can get very sophisticated, but I think you have to start somewhere. And a good place to start is just again on a on a on a periodic basis, just sending them some materials, and a, a, that 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 really get to the heart of the matter. Provide the elements of what you want them to talk about, and give them some concrete examples that are going to speak to their population. And then the third leg of uh, I think successfully getting managers involved in uh, compliance and ethics, and uh, being. Uh, an integral part of your compliance and ethics program is measurement. Uh, what gets measured gets done. Uh, this is by far the hardest piece of this three-legged stool, but um, I purposely use the uh, image of a three-legged stool because I think if you get the first two right, it's not as if they don't uh, aren't good things to do. It's always good to educate your managers. It's always good to provide your managers some resources. But if it's not part of their measurement, then it's just probably not going to be successful. And as a stool, it's just going to fail, uh, like a two-legged stool would fail. So uh, how do you measure this? Well, you have to have some objective criteria. And we've already talked about, for, for instance, 
providing training. Uh, so to have they completed their training? And many organizations have uh, more than just uh, your orientation training, if you will, for, for managers on compliance. They have supplemental training uh uh, that, that occurs periodically on, on manager responsibilities or specific uh, training uh, and materials on specific risks and risk issues. Uh, so, so one place, you know, we often collect a lot of data around completion rates for training. Well, that can be one metric uh, to measure uh, against uh, manager performance. Have they completed the uh, necessary training that you have de designed for managers specifically around their compliance and ethics responsibilities? Uh, second piece is the second piece we talked about, resources. Uh, have they uh, uh, implemented those, uh, uh, those resources that were provided to them? And you can set some objective criteria around that. You know, the materials were provided on a, on a date certain. Uh, did you implement it? Uh, and, you know, there's probably going to need to be some follow-up and some testing here to see how well it was implemented. If there were some materials on, again, harassment uh, that the manager was uh, anticipated to present to their reports on a date certain, you might take a sample survey of some of those reports and, A, ask them whether they received that communication from their manager, uh, yes or no, and then B, maybe knowledge test them and see if they retained any of the key points that were in that uh, uh, communication material that was provided to the manager. So uh, I think it's important, uh, you know, not that, that there not only be an aspect of the annual review for managers that, that has to do with compliance, I think it's important that there be some objective criteria, uh, particularly if you're already doing the first two pieces. If you're not doing that, then it's hard to measure. But if you have some specific responsibilities that you want to assign to managers, and they don't have to be particularly egregious, you know, take the training, provide uh, periodic uh, communication on, on risk topics. Um, I think there are ways to measure uh, whether they do those things uh, objectively and how successful they are objectively and, and have their annual reviews reflect that. This has another added benefit. Uh, beyond uh, helping you fully uh, implement a successful integration of managers into the compliance program, it also satisfies uh, one of the hallmarks of the sentencing guidelines, which uh, suggests that we need to have uh, incentives for compliant behavior. This is incentives, as we've talked about many times, are often very hard to implement, very hard to figure out exactly how you uh, uh, integrate incentives. And it's often done through the annual review process, but it's usually done very subjectively. And I don't know that it's done that successfully. I think if you were to really uh, drill down to the annual review, it's often, do you live our values, you know, which is tantamount to saying, have you gotten into trouble? Well, that's not really incentivizing anything other than just not getting into trouble. The fact that you uh, haven't committed any misconduct and you haven't violated any of the values of the organization uh, that we know of isn't necessarily um, incentivizing uh, uh, behavior. That's a, that's a basic expectation for employment. <laughs> uh, so, so I think that uh, oftentimes when we have these subjective, broad concepts in the annual reviews, uh, for managers and for everyone, uh, it's just not that effective, and I don't think it really satisfies significantly satisfies the the requirement under the sentencing guidelines for incentives. 
Uh, but certainly having objective criteria around manager performance, I think you can make a much stronger argument that that meets that criteria because you're really incentivizing a specific uh, behavior uh, and, and a behavior that promotes and increases the effectiveness of the compliance program. So that's the three-legged stool. Um, I really feel like uh, I mean, there's obviously a lot that you can uh, uh, flesh in around those three items, training, resources, and measurement. But training, resources, and measurement, I think you, you need to have some component of each. I recognize uh, that measurement in particular is really, really hard to implement because you've got to get not just uh, buy-in from uh, those responsible for compliance at your organization uh, and, uh, you know, and, and have the resources to do those first two pieces, but you've also got to get HR on board and you know, changing um, how uh, managers' performance is measured and, and how annual review is undertaken is very, very difficult. I understand that. But you know, this is an expectation, and our expectations are only growing. If you look at the guidance from April uh, of 2019 from our friends at the Department of Justice, they're very clear. Uh, they want to see operational involvement and compliance. Uh, if you have a risk-based approach to your compliance program, uh, it's hard to say that you don't recognize the importance of having manager uh, involvement in the uh, operation of the program. Uh, it's it's a definite uh, best practice. It's a definite trend. Uh, and if organizations aren't addressing it, um, you're going to, I think, pretty quickly in the next few years find yourself uh, outside the norm uh, if you aren't uh, addressing these things. So I think it's going to be become much, much easier uh, to do not just the first two uh, substantive pieces, but also uh, measure as well. Um, but but uh, take those into account. Take a look. As always, if you have questions, uh, comments, uh, if you have suggestions for future episodes of the podcast, uh, always love to hear from you. You can get a hold of us uh, at moreheadconsulting.com. And now back again, compliancebeat.com. Sorry again that our website was down for a few uh, days, uh, uh, some unavoidable technical difficulties, but we are running again uh, please do get in touch with us. We do love to hear from you. Uh, but until next time, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Compliance Beat. Check out our website, compliancebeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Be sure to check us out at moorheadconsulting.com.